This is the Steve Zabin Show. You don't know what the hell you're doing. On the Team 980 and theteam980.com. What the hell is he doing? Here he is, the Zabe. Welcome to the Steve Zabin Show on a Monday. Scotland with you, Zabe, plugging in some wires and uh, will join us momentarily via the telephone, I believe. Some sort of a tripped wire or something like that. Uh, we'll hook up with Zabe in just a little bit. Hope everybody had a dandy weekend. Big show expected today. Andrew Marshawn in the 5 o'clock hour. Luke Thomas in about 25 minutes at El Thomas News. Big, big, big weekend for everybody as, uh, as, as far as UFC 249. Luke will join us from at SiriusXM's Fight Nation 156. He also does a show at and uh, if you were lucky enough to see it, maybe you tuned in early or earlier than expected and stuck around for the good stuff. But there was plenty going on at UFC 249. I know I saw Zabe's tweets over the weekend, and he was able to tune in and stick around. I don't know if he's the entire bout, but the good news is he is uh, – oh, there he is. You're, you're plugged in, buddy. I, I'm here now. This is this is just something else. I experienced anything like this and i'm now gonna have to figure out possible that the stupid brick that connects the plug to the wall that then connects this unit on my desk was slightly pulled out because i'm like i'm plugged in i'm plugged in how come i can't get any power (laughs) i used this unit this morning what the hell's going on it might be that mid cord block you know what i'm saying you know mm-hmm. how the plug has two different things? Like it goes halfway through, and then there's a little brick, and then it goes. <sighs> Hi, buddy. Hi, buddy. How Breathe. You? you all right? I'm all right. You know, I was, uh, I was just ju- right. trying I to just, juggle. I hate, I hate starting the week this way. I hate throwing crises into your lap like this. You're already doing a million different things to begin with. And I, I got a lot to talk about today. I had a big show, and it was all short-circuited. Uh, by the fact that I was like, okay, just 10 minutes early. This is, again, why connect at least 30 minutes early if you're going to be doing the show from remote so you can troubleshoot. See, I should yell at myself. That's a, troubleshoot. It's a brick. Bricks get loose. It's okay. It happens. I was just commenting on the fact that I saw your tweet from over the weekend about your experience with UFC 249 and Cerrone and Pettis and a lot of the early card and how excited. And Luke Thomas will join us, scheduled to appear at 3.30. Andrew Marshan, one of your guys, at 5 o'clock talking oh, yeah. about the big weekend of Boog and Tess. How about the fact that Boog is out? <laughs> I, it's, Tess is I'm gonna out. Let Tess you is do, out. I'm going to let you do the Ghanaian funeral dancers. I think it's See, Ghana. You know what I'm talking about? I, I do know what you're talking about, but you know me, especially given this current climate of all media. Far be it from me to do any karmic BS. I don't want to see anybody lose their job in this day and age. And as I've always well, said, but here's you, the thing. Tess may be the greatest the guy in the world. I just here's was never a fan Scott. of it, and I didn't understand why they were. Here's the thing, Scott. He didn't lose his job. I he's know. Just going back to college. He's right. He's just being like reassigned, has, which is great. Boog has a really good job. It's just yep. that it's going to be in the studio. Yes. So you're allowed to do the Ghanaian dancer theme because of it. Come on now. This is your big day. I will insist that you do a little bit of Ghanaian 
pallbearer dancing celebration. Put on that black and white tuxedo. Hoist the coffin of Tessator on Monday nights on your shoulders and start dancing around, my friend. We'll do one of those. We'll do one of those uh, sad trombone trumpet New Orleans jazz style funerals where we just kind of slow march around playing sad music. Right, you'll 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 play a dirge version of when the Saints come marching home, and then halfway through you'll pick it up tempo wise, and there'll be a big celebration. And then everybody, and then we'll say, you know what, Joe? It's awesome. You're still gainfully employed, which is a lovely, lovely thing. Dancing pallbearers is its own Wikipedia page, also known as Dancing Coffin. And the Coffin Dance are a group of Ghanaian pallbearers based in the coastal town of Pram Pram in the okay. greater Accra region of southern Ghana. Although they perform across the country as well as internationally, they are locally referred to as the Nana Otafrija Pallbearing and Waiting Service or the Dada Awu. Look at these gentlemen. This is amazing. They're led by Benjamin Idu, who started the group as a regular pallbearer's service. He later had the idea of choreographing to their pallbearing work. Extra fees are charged for dancing with the coffin during a funeral. I love it. Oh, you wanted us to dance, like in the video that you saw on the internet? That's going to be extra. See, we just dress up in our tuxedos. For a fee, but the dancing is extra. <laughs> Look at that. Uh, the I, dancing pallbearers. YouTube's Abe yeah. has a great, you know, 90-second sort of BBC, you know, news hit. And the gents show up in their tremendous headwear and their beautiful tuxedos with white tie. And not only foot dancing, but they'll put the casket on their shoulder and then spin their bodies around. It's 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 something to behold. I've you know I've seen yeah, a little they bit. First, not, they not, first oh, came to prominence in 2017 when featured in a BBC News report, like you said. But it wasn't until April of this year that the group became the subject of a darkly comedic internet meme when videos of people suffering from various mip- mishaps are then followed by a jump cut of the pallbearers dancing with the coffins implying that the victims of the preceding clips had been murdered (laughs) and they were dead. Like, for example, I just saw before we came on the air, El Presidente of Barstool Sports, Dave Portnoy, won the auction to watch a Monday night game with Roger Goodell. Yes. I'm going to play that clip for you right after this first break when I get my uh, computer hooked up. And, and finally all sorted out here because the little video is of Goodell saying it, and one person's going to win a chance to watch a game with me. And then Portnoy's like, guess what? I won. Jump cut to the techno music. Dancing ball bears. <laughs> all right. So I watched the uh, MMA. I watched the UFC 249, the free portion of it on Saturday. And by watched, mm-hmm. I mean I had it on. And it was in the background, and I was doing some work, and then I would look up, and then I would look down, and then I would look up, and I'd be like, oh, wow, that guy's bloody. And I, I, I kind of enjoyed it, and I was glad it went off well. There was a number of good fights. And uh, like you said, uh, we're going to talk here in just a minute uh, with our first guest of the day to talk about where the UFC goes from here uh, because it's great. They were the first ones out of the gate. NASCAR is coming this weekend. 
The PGA Tour is going to have an exhibition, the first of uh, two exhibition matches, this one being the tour-sponsored two-on-two from Seminole Golf Club and then the Tiger versus Phil thing uh, the following weekend. Then the PGA Tour at some point. And then at some point, we're hoping the big four leagues will come in. But I think uh, over the weekend, there was some doubt thrown into at least one of them. The NBA and Adam Silver struck a dark note. He did, at least in his you know, all-league conference call, saying that there could be no fans this year or next year. And said the current CBA is not constructed to envision a world in an NBA world with no fans. Yes, they get a lot of money from TV, but they get a lot of money from fans as well. So they got to work out the money on that. Baseball's ready to put his proposal to the players. The players are already cheesed because apparently they're going to have to take more of a pay cut if the season's going to happen. And of course, the time honored tradition of major league players fighting with major league owners and scrapping entire seasons based over what? Money? Could be back again. It could be 1994 all over again, only this time during a pandemic. I have a hard time believing that they would let it, let it get to that point. Maybe this is just early rhetoric, but who knows. And then, of course, you've got the NHL, which I guess is doing stuff quietly. Uh, I, I haven't heard quiet- much Earlier this morning, the AHL, and again, much more money at stake. The with AHL folded. Yeah. Well, not not fold their cards for the they season. They folded for the year. Yes. Yeah, they canceled the rest of the year. There's a different dynamic with minor league sports that don't have big TV money, and I can understand. Definitely. Definitely. You're, you're talking about that depends almost exclusively on local gate revenues, and so therefore it was going to be very difficult to justify that. But, man, if any, if any of the big four sports just lays down and says, that's it, we're done. They'll, they'll regret it, I think. My, just my personal feeling. I think they need to find a will, find a way, get it done, play, and finish. At least some sort of, sort of playoffs. I know Shaq said, well, the winner would have an asterisk in the NBA. It's not worth it. Shaq's like, just shut it down. I'm telling you, if, the, if it was my league, I'd say, we're playing. We're going to find a way. We're going to get it done. And we're still going to have it. It's important. And we're going to do it. But, I don't know, the NBA is weird like that. And some of the owners, I don't get it. Mark Cuban apparently paid a bunch of mystery shoppers to go around Dallas. And then he reported back that like 90% of the stores were not following the proper guidelines. I'm like, do you know you're now mega Karen? You are the super snitchiest, snitch-tastic owner. Like, what are you trying to do or prove? See, well, just but I- is he or, or is he not? Because, you know, I was watching over the weekend. I forget what channel I was on. There's a couple of news channels. That was it, South Korea, Zabe. They, you know, they've done such a great job. One guy, one guy goes to a nightclub, starts dancing and yeah. sweating, and all of a sudden, insta surge. So is Cuban sure. being mega Karen by saying, you know what, you want to go to a nightclub in South Korea? Wear your damn mask. Do this right as best you can, or you are going to ruin it for the rest of us who want baseball, who want yeah. football on time, and who want the NBA to resume and who want the NHL to resume. Yeah, he's being a snitch. He's literally being a snitch. He is taking it upon himself to hire people to go say, well, who's doing this and who's doing that? But that's fine. Is there a better way to do it at this point, I guess? There's always a better way. Let me rephrase my question. What would be your way? Well, it's not his job to send snitches out there. Who is he? 
What 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 good what goal? Who are you? What goal was he looking to uh, achieve by sending out secret store snitches? Probably to poke a finger to wag a finger in in the face of state governments, local jurisdictions who are saying, no, 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 we can handle this. We can handle this. Okay, I want you to handle it. We all want to get back to normal as fast as possible. Follow the rules. Until when? Well, you know, but obviously right out of the gate they weren't following the rules, I think is his point. Right. No, no, this is why we can't. We're not, we're not, we're not South Korea. We're not South Korea. We'll never be South Korea. You have to read up on how South Korea works, the laws that they have accepted there. And smaller sample size, Yes. And for tracing, forced tracing and whatnot. Plus their caseload at its peak was 11,000. 11,000. I think we have, I haven't even looked at the number. It's well over a million known cases and 10x that that we suspect are out there because of, you know, other serology samples of people that have been exposed. So very big word for me. That ship has sailed. Anyway, well, we'll see. uh, We'll see what happens. Uh, But at least we got some things starting to stir. And uh, I did watch some MA. So we'll uh, talk about that. Let's go ahead and take a quick break. I'm going to recombobulate myself. We'll be up and running. And then we'll pretend the next segment is our first one. And then we'll start the show that way. We'll consider this a practice segment, warm-up segment here on a windy, blustery Monday, still colder than we all want it to be for this deep into May in the DMV. wanted to come and spend a little time in a man cave and maybe sit in the chair and watch the game. So we're going to do it with ESPN and do it on a Monday night here in the man cave, and we'll put that up for auction. Whoever wants to pay the most amount of money to a great cause, COVID Relief 19, we want you to be here, right here in the man cave, and you'll get to sit in this chair. I'll sit on the couch. Guess who won the auction? This guy. <laughs> I don't know why this techno song is used with the Ghanaian dancers. Anyone help me out on that? Let me know. That was the... Uh, little viral clip that uh, Barstool put out right there. I have no idea why that is, but it's uh, – it's. I said that anything short of Portnoy, you know, not tipping over a, a, a bowl of guacamole on Goodell's head and filming it is short of treason. That if you're going to spend – I think he spent $375,000. you got to record a viral moment in which you do something not violent, but something to clown – the guy who you made into a T-shirt, maybe one of the best-selling single sports T-shirts ever, the Goodell Clown Nose Turquoise T-shirt. Is that an overstatement, do you think? It's, uh, don't know. I'd like to see the numbers. I don't think it's outscoring uh, Tua these days as far as his Dolphin jersey goes, but it's certainly popular, yeah. to say the least. It's up there. So, anyway... All right. How was your weekend? How was uh, Mother's Day? Mother's Day was great. Uh, and and it, I figured you would want to know this. I watched in its entirety all one, two, three hours of Wolf of Wall Street on Saturday night late. I finally hey, congratulations. saw the entire thing. Seven minutes Whatever after that, he was doing. five minutes after that, oh, my God. Man, that uh, guy. Apparently, quaaludes were a hell of a thing 
back That's in the day. what I remember. I mean, I, I don't remember firsthand, but I, you know, there were some neighborhood kids back in the day who who spoke, and I'm like, I think I'm, I'm I think they put Quaaludes, which is sort of a street nickname for whatever the real drug is. Texters, help me out on this. Three three zero ninety nine Zabe. I think they put Quaaludes on a real high level of restricted drugs. Methylene. Yeah, you just, or, or maybe they banned outright the manufacturer of them because you just don't hear of anybody taking them anymore. Yeah, and but then in the Wolf scene and Wall with, Street, right. all about the quaaludes to the point where he's having to crawl out his house and up the stairs. Yeah, and then down the stairs again after he's trying to make the payphone call at the country club, <laughs> and he's like, "And thank God I drove home safely." Then they grab him from his study and they go, "Mr. Belfort, did you drive home last night?" He's like. Get out of my house. And then, and then they flash back. He goes, yeah, apparently I did drive, and it wasn't as successful as I thought it was. <laughs> I mean, there, right. was, there was a lot of stuff in that movie that was, that was glorified and, and, and deified that didn't need to be deified and glorified. Oh, yeah. I'm the, no prude, um, but that was. Woo. Yeah, and it was the, it was the movie that launched Margot, Margot Robbie. That was She's her stunning. first Big and movie, and yeah, what a great accent it, on her coming from down under, and that's not code for anything. I thought I had this the soundbite, but uh, not. It, it requires a little bit of uh, uh, what you call it editing. editing. Yeah, not leaving. I mean, you've played shows on forever. Yeah, yeah. And Rob Reiner is his dad. It was, there's, I mean, there's, there's a lot of. A lot of good acting in that. And uh, the coach from and then there Friday was... Night Lights is the FBI agent, uh, Kyle Chandler. Right. He's awesome. And then, of course, we had episodes seven and eight of Last Dance, and we're going to talk so about good. that today. Yes, sir. And then we have the passing of Jerry Stiller, the great Mr. Costanza, one of the great character actors or niche actors or niche characters in television history, without a doubt. No doubt. We'll play some of his greatest hits, including Please. the Jay Buhner tirade. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Trading Jay Buhner. Trading Jay Buhner. <laughs> yes. Michael Phelps. So Mike, no. Uh, Jay Ken, Phelps. Ken Phelps. Ken Phelps. Ken Phelps. Ken Phelps. I keep my baseball people good saying Ken Phelps. He's got a rocket for an arm. God, he was funny. Jerry Stiller, who was also the voice of of Vince Lombardi in Nike ads, remember? So he's done a lot of different things over the years. All right. I'm still catching my breath here. Uh, Scott's got an update, bottom of the hour, coming up here. And then on the other side, we will talk some MMA uh, with Luke Thomas. Did you happen to watch any of or see the highlights of any of the MMA? I saw the highlights of everything, yes. So I'm looking forward to this uh, to this conversation with Mr. Thomas. Um, it was, I mean, good for Dana White. And we could start the conversation with Luke on the other side because on Friday mornings, Abe, they didn't know they were going to have UFC 249 because the one guy had the COVID and his cornerman, he drove in, he tested positive, and they thought that it was either going to infect, you know, the X number of people it took to put this on or how were they going to start lopping well, this off? Said, so they, said basically you're out. I think I yeah. heard a story that said it like the corner man was like, "Yeah, I was with a family member that had it. I didn't. I didn't think. I thought I was fine though." 
Right. I think well, that was no, that was Jacare Souza who said somebody in my family had it. Two other cornermen tested for it, and then they canceled his fight with Uriah Hall. It was, yeah. and then there was blood. There was punching. There was, I mean, for for a, a seemed a like a bloodier. You know, it seemed it seemed like a very bloody card. There was a lot of guys split open, and then and the one guy who was split open that was so happy about his eye being closed up. You know, he's standing there waiting for them to announce the final decision. He's like smiling, like look at this. I thought it was a good night for the sport. I think it it definitely brought in a few more extra eyeballs. I know myself. I've watched a little bit of MMA over the years, just a tiny little bit. And as I was watching this, I said, you know, these are pretty awesome fights. And yet, if they were in a crowd in Vegas, they'd be even more awesome because you'd get that adrenaline rush instead of just this antiseptic, sterile environment. So I think it's going to probably rope me in for a a, a little bit more. I can't say I'm going to buy the stuff. I know that I thought about buying the four pay fights, including Greg Hardy. Is Greg Hardy any good? That's another thing I want to ask Luke Thomas on the other side. Is he any good, or is he just a guy capitalizing on, hey, remember I used to be the football player who got in trouble for the domestic violence thing? Right. Because he seems to be giving it at least a serious run. Yeah, he's getting better. He's out there. So, all right, we'll do all that on the other side. Scott has an update, bottom of the hour. Then we'll talk about UFC 249 with Luke Thomas next. With the latest brought to you by Discover, I'm Scott Lynn. Get your free credit scorecard today, even if you're not a Discover customer. It includes your FICO credit score, and checking your scorecard won't hurt your credit. Learn more at discover.com slash credit scorecard. Limitations do apply. Multiple reports, starting with baseball. Owners on a conference call today approved a proposal to send to the players regarding how to approach this season. Meeting expected tomorrow, USA Today, with some of the details. 82 games, universal DH, extra playoff round, and regular divisions, but you only play in division and teams from your division in the other league. Also may involve a revenue-sharing plan guaranteeing 48% to the players, Yet other reports say players aren't real big fans of that revenue share idea. Other baseball, ESPN Deportes, first to note, World Baseball Classic won't go in 2021. Dr. Anthony Fauci tells NBCSports.com upcoming NFL season will depend on testing. And right now, there's too much infection. But hopefully by September, that is, it won't be the way it is right now. NBA and the Players Association reaching an agreement to extend through September the 60-day window that preserves the league's right to terminate the CBA in the wake of the COVID crisis. Adam Silver says that current CBA was not built to suffer through a pandemic. NHL remains up in the air, but the top minor league has taken action. AHL Board of Governors have voted to cancel the remainder of their regular season and Calder Cup playoffs due to the coronavirus crisis. Tony Ferguson, broken orbital bone, coming off of UFC 249. He's the one who was beaten by Justin Gaethje over the weekend. DMV weather, 60, breezy, partly cloudy in Silver Spring, clearing mid-40s tonight, partly sunny Tuesday, up near 60. Nobody's really sure what time it is these days. Wake up with the Kevin Sheehan Show, 6 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday. Doc and Galdi, 9 to noon. B. Mitch and I, noon to 3. Zabe Show takes you home, 3 to 7 on the Team 980, 95.9 FM. Zabe Show continues on this Monday, live from the 95. 95- 5.9 FM, Team 980 Studios. Steve, over to you. All right, thank you, Scott. Joining us now, a host of the Luke Thomas Show on Sirius XM Fight Nation 156 and combat sports host and analyst also for Showtime, Mr. Luke Thomas himself. Luke, good afternoon. How are you today? 
doing well, Steve. I don't know if you know this. I'm a D.C. guy. I was uh, grown up here, grew up here and spent most of my life here. So I just want to say it's a real honor hey. to get on a, a show like yours as a D.C. institution. Get out. Get out of here. Come on now, man. No, Good to I'm talk being to you. serious. I'm being serious. No, it's cool. So so I'm one of these guys. I'm a, I'm a wander into the tent guy for the sport. And I wandered into the tent on Saturday night, not only just out of boredom and curiosity, but I felt like I wanted to support the first sport that stood up and said, we're going to find a way to do this. And I was reminded again of the one thing that's caught my eye about, you know, mixed martial arts fighting is that unlike boxing, it can take dramatic turns when you least expect it in a bout. And usually that does not happen in boxing. Am I, am I right about saying that first and foremost, that a match can be going one way and then boom, one guy does something, everything's changed? Yeah, for two reasons. There's a little bit more volatility. Uh, you have more weapons in MMA. The gloves are smaller, which creates uh, – it, it sort of a- amplifies punching power. And the other part is that the matchmaking fighters don't have as much control over it as boxers would, so you get a lot of the best fighting the best, which creates for um, a lot of big moments. Yeah, that's a big part of it, right, that because it's centrally controlled and the promoters are not saying, okay, I'm going to give you a tomato can, tomato can, and then a little bit of a hard guy, but I'm angling for a big payday with this other dude. Since it's all centralized, it, that makes even fight more often, if not all the time, right? Yeah, I mean- that's right. I mean, not all the time. And, you know, the other part, too, is you have to understand MMA, about 40% of the time the underdogs win. So it, it's, there are so many variables that have to be controlled for in an MMA fight, not merely how the matches are made and what that entails, but the weapons themselves and how that ends up having this dramatic effect on results. But you're right about the central control. I mean, it's sort of a blessing and a curse. So what I mean by that is yeah. there is a very clear argument to make, and there is plenty of evidence that UFC fighters are very much underpaid, even relative to their other combative sport athletes. Um, we have court documents all the way through 2016 because they're being sued for a class action uh, settlement, essentially, or, or uh, well, they could go to settlement. I guess we'll see. But they, the fighters get about between 15 to 18% of revenue uh, year over year. So that's not necessarily great. But if you're a customer, there's the benefit there, which is that um, boxers, for example, like Bud Crawford, who's one of the very best in the world, has gone out and said, you know, I'm not fighting until there's a gate because I make money off of the gate. Um, a lot of UFC fighters, most, in fact, if not virtually all of them, don't. So what you're going to get is higher caliber talent in the UFC much more readily than you are going to get. Bo- boxing will come back, but the question is what kind? Well, as you saw on Saturday, you're going to get high-level MMA. All right. Rate, uh, give me a bundle rating and just a few highlights from the four free fights, which I watched, and then the four on the pay-per-view that I did not. Uh, the four that I watched I thought were pretty good. What was the consensus amongst people that are in the fight game? Yeah, I think that's about right. Uh, so, it, I mean, it obviously it will depend on uh, one's appetite and what you're in for. I would say, though, you missed out on the best by quite a mile. Um, so you have Vicente Luque taking on Nico Price. These are not names that a lot of folks know, but it's a very chaotic fight. And it's sort of interesting. Like, this is how good MMA has gotten, Steve, that if this fight had taken place 15 years ago, 
it'd be widely considered an all-time classic. And today, really? it's prelim card act. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, if you go back and watch, like the fight that everyone talks about that launched the sport is the uh, Force Griffin versus Stefan Bonner fight. And it has this lore about it, about how good it was. You can watch it on uh, YouTube. Go back and look at it. It's sloppy okay. and not, not excellent <laughs> at all. It's just what it was for the time. If you had Nico Price, Vicente Luque, you'd be like, wow, I can't believe how amazing this is. And now it's just prelim fodder. Um, Asparza versus Waterson I think, was not a Hold on, great. hold on. While you're while you're on while you're on that fight, I think this highlight was from that fight because Nico Price was the guy that made the face that went viral this morning with his right eye closed up and the cut underneath it. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. The guy's a complete right. maniac. Uh, I've interviewed him a, I think, a bunch of times. I, yeah, yeah. Here, here. I think this was the highlight from when he finally got tagged and went down. <laughs> No, this is this is Stevens versus uh, somebody else. Calvin Cater. I mean, the announcers sounded very excited, and uh, there was a lot of that action in the early undercards. Yeah. So to your point, Asparza Waterson, not a great fight. Olenek versus Verdum is sort of two guys who are very talented, but they're both forty-two, which is not great. Uh, but the shining star of the prelim card was, of course, Pettis versus Cerrone. Uh, that was phenomenal. Really, really, really intense back and forth between two talented veterans. Long in the tooth, but very, very skilled. Yeah, and then and then afterwards, they you know they they hugged and they smiled and they're like, "We're buds, man. We, we you know we fought a lot, we train and a lot, and and that, and I think that's good for the sport that they're trying to kill each other out there. But then you know afterwards, they'll hug and high five, and you're like, "We're at, this is a sport. We're not savages. This hey. is a sport." Yeah, you know what's amazing about that, though? It's kind of funny. MMA gets this rep for being full of savagery, and to be clear, it is. I mean, I've been covering it for almost two decades. Uh, Some of the uh, stereotypes are true, but you know what's funny? I also cover collegiate and Olympic wrestling uh, as well, like the real kind of wrestling. When a wrestling match is over, uh, even if it's Penn State versus Oklahoma State, like sort of your two powerhouses in collegiate wrestling, watch. They, They barely even shake hands. They can't even look at each other. The disgust is so high. You get an MMA fight where two guys sort of put it on each other, and then afterwards they're embracing like they're, you know, buddies toasting each other at somebody's wedding. It's sort of this weird, weird difference there. I'm not sure I have the best explanation for it, but it's kind of funny. Luke Thomas of the Luke Thomas Show at L Thomas News. You can catch him on Sirius XM's Fight Nation Channel 156. He also does combat sports hosting analysis for Showtime. Luke, nice enough to join us here on the Zabe Show. Team 980, Team 980 app, 95.9 FM right here in D.C. and also in Richmond. Luke, you mentioned the, the combative nature, but yet the, the friendly nature. Is there anybody that doesn't like Cowboy Cerrone? Probably some of the guys he's head kick KO'd. Um, <laughs> Aside from that, I'll say, no, he's extremely well-liked. I mean, um, you know, he's a, he's a lot of fighters. So here, so there's two reasons why he's well-liked, right? One is he's a bit of an elder statesman at this point. He's been around a long time. You know, it's kind of funny. The guy he fought was Anthony Pettis. Now, this was a rematch, and I looked it up. They fought the first time in 2013. Since that date, Anthony Pettis had fought 14 times, which is a lot, but not extraordinary. Since then, Cowboy Cerrone had fought 26 times. I mean, that is a career by itself. So he has fought the very best of his generation. He has been there a very long time. People have total admiration for what he has sacrificed on the altar of athletic glory. And he has this attitude of, I mean, there there is no boxer like Cowboy Cerrone. 
which is to say, you look at his resume, and dude, he's got some L's on there, but he has them because he is he assiduously avoids saying no to tough challenges, maybe to his own detriment. I know there was controversy about Stephen A. Smith saying, oh, well, Cerrone quit, and people were really upset with it, and I think with good reason, Mm -hmm. because in a 364-day span, not even a full year, he had fought Alexander Hernandez, a very tough prospect, Ally Quinta, perennial top contender, Tony Ferguson, the guy with the main event, uh, Justin Gaethje, the other guy from the main event, and then Conor McGregor. I mean, if you can beat all five of those guys, in five years, you're amazing. To do it in 364 would be incredible. Cerrone didn't, but it shows you the kind of willingness he has to just simply risk it all the time. Look, there was endless amounts of love for Justin Gaethje and taking down Tony Ferguson. Gaethje was the underdog, and by all you know, by everybody's accounts, I watched it in highlight form. He did some things that he had never done before, and that was fought a really smart fight. Your opinion, and then also, why does Ferguson always have a baseball? Uh, because he wanted to play baseball collegially. He ended up being a two-time All-American out of uh, Grand Valley State, but he considers himself a two-sport athlete, if you can believe it, and going pro in baseball was the, sort of the dream that got away. Gotcha. All right, is, uh, is uh, Greg Hardy any good, or is he just cashing in on his notoriety? Uh, very quickly, Justin Gaethje, an incredible performance. I can barely describe to you how unique he is. He is a unicorn among unicorns. The guy wrestled at uh, Arizona State, uh, two-time All-American, and had seven UFC has not attempted a single takedown, which is just unheard of. Well, okay, Hardy, now let's let's stop right there. Why yeah. is that remarkable? So um, you have to understand what lightweight is, 155 pounds. This is the division of kings. Right, so if you're six foot four and you're 240 pounds, chances are you're going to get some other lucrative stick and ball sport, assuming you have some talent. But what if you're five ten and 170? Where are you going to go? It doesn't mean you're not a good athlete. It just means you have no professional recourse in all likelihood for one of the major sporting organizations. So a lot of them and other things. And this guy didn't just wrestle in college. He wrestled. I mean, to get all American, it means you have to place top eight in your weight class. He did it twice. He did it twice. That is very, very difficult to do. So you're saying as an MMA fighter, he has never attempted a takedown? uh, Prior to the UFC, uh, maybe a handful. But in his seven toughest fights, he has not even tried. He has not even tried. So in other words, as a wrestler by pedigree, he's beaten guys without what would likely be his biggest weapon. Am I reading that right? That's right. To be an All-American, you can't start wrestling at 15. You have to start wrestling when you're in the single digits, seven or eight years old. Right. So that means for, okay. for like 20 years of his life, he developed a skill he no longer uses. So, so in other words, he's like beaten guys, and he's exciting as hell, and he hasn't even gone to his what could be his best strength, getting guys on the ground. Correct. Doesn't even try. And now it's relevant because with this interim title – he will face Habib Nurmagomedov. If you don't know that name, it's the guy that choked out Conor McGregor and there was the melee and everything. And, and this guy, Nurmagomedov, has one of the toughest region in Russia where all of their Olympic wrestlers come from, Dagestan, near the Ossetia region. He is right. undefeated in MMA, right? And lightweight is where all the best athletes are and uh, never been knocked down, never been cut. And he's going to fight a guy who will not try to take him down, will simply try to stop it and it looks like he has the skills to do it. Plus, he hits like an absolute jackhammer. This is going to be quite an interesting test. 
And when is that fight going to happen? Probably uh, September. Nurmagomedov is a, a devout Muslim, so he is certainly in the middle of Ramadan. So he'll need to lose some weight as a consequence of this, and then he'll need some time to put it back on. So probably September is what I'm expecting. All right. And the next uh, MMA event is when? Wednesday. They are back at the exact same arena in Jacksonville, and then Saturday again. They are back there. Now, the cards are not as good. It doesn't have the same pay-per-view level, but they will be free on ESPN and full of very, very good talent. The one on Wednesday has a very interesting main event. Um, And the one on Saturday, it's funny enough that you guys asked that, is going to be Walt Harris taking on Alistair Overeem. That was the fight that was supposed to be here in D.C. when they came earlier this year. But uh, tragically, Walt Harris's daughter was kidnapped and murdered. In fact, there's going to be a Sports Center feature on him this week. So he finally got over it, and they rebooked the fight for uh, this Saturday in Jacksonville. Wow. So will it be pay-per-view in addition on Wednesday or Saturday, or no? Is it just free fights? All free. All free. Can't, can't miss it. It's all okay. free. What do you got to lose? Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, very good. Hey, uh, Luke, it's great to talk to you. won't be the last time we have you on, and uh, congrats to the UFC uh, for putting this thing on and moving forward. Looking forward to more of it. Anytime. There you go, Luke Thomas. Appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Yep, Luke Thomas hosts uh, Fight Nation 156 Sirius XM and is a combat sports host and analyst uh, for Showtime. All right, there you go. Free fight on Wednesday and Saturday. Pretty cool. You got that going for you. Coming up, baseball has a plan breaking in the last 20 minutes. Now it's up to the players. And the national Sean Doolittle has posted a lengthy Twitter thread that – He's not saying he's not down with it, but he has concerns. And we'll talk about all that next. Now back to the Steve Zabin Show on the Team 980 and 95.9 FM. All right, baseball has a plan. It's now up to the players to say yes. This breaking within the last, I believe, Scott, 20 minutes. If I'm not mistaken, uh, no. During the during the two o'clock hour, I think it was like two thirty. The owners, it was leaked that the owners had okay. their conference call today and approved their proposal. They'll get it to the players as soon as tomorrow. Did you say it was leaked in the two o'clock hour? For the, some reason, know, I thought I saw a news item that said, "Okay, boom, it's now official." In the last I twenty mean, minutes, the leaking was people reporting a conference call done. They've approved. They've approved. But Bob Nightingale has a lengthy article with a lot of details, so it's no longer a leak. I only meant that conference call over, okay. they've approved it, details to come, and now the details are out there, and there's there's a lot of stuff to sort through, sir. All right, so let me, uh, let's see here. Let me let me try to get the uh, story from Nightingale. Yes. Is that USA Today? Yeah, I can throw it to you. Here, catch. Get your big old glove. The basics is this. A shortened season of about 82 games starting in early July, July 1st, May weekend. Uh, regional realignment, right? They're going to play games in home stadiums, sans fans at first. Yes. and With the chance say, to maybe modify that as the summer goes on. When you say regional realignment, the, the report that I skimmed through was the divisions will stay the same. You'll play your divisional people. But then you'll so only no, play. So no league realignment, just a truncating of the schedule that you're mostly going to play your own. 
division. You're not going to do a lot of tour and East. But co- correct. But the NL East will play the AL East. So that means for the Nats, you want Red Sox, you want Rays, you want Yankees. You, Getting a big that's, dose. That's a hard ass so the, East versus East, brother. Divisions remain the same, but the schedule balance will be altered in favor of regionality, right? Yes. So basically, okay. you know, Yankees, you, they'll play AL East and the NL East. The Dodgers, who weren't even supposed to play a team like the Houston Astros in the AL West, will play them at least a half dozen times. Yeah. And the revenue split apparently is going to either be 50-50 or something close. And again, I'm struggling here. I looked up the Nightingale story, and it says the owners are scheduled to vote on a plan Monday. Have they not voted already? They voted, and they approved it. I've seen at least 48%, but then I also saw in another Nightingale tweet, 50-50 revenue share. But I also saw from Joel Sherman in the New York Post, players aren't big on this whole revenue share idea. They want the but they're being they're being uh, the, the the 50 called a historic revenue sharing plan it would be the first time writes Nate Nightingale in history that MLB clubs would be willing to share their revenue with the players although it's common in other sports in the NFL players get 47% of the revenue NBA players be- receive between 49 and 51% i did not know baseball didn't share revenue on a percentage basis that's interesting anyway the uh owners in baseball expect to lose about 40 percent of their uh gate attendance i don't know how they factor that because it seems like they're gonna lose a lot more but okay whatever uh they're gonna have expanded rosters from 26 to 30 a 20-man taxi squad consisting mostly of an organization's top minor league players being available all season that no doubt is for people for players that test positive and, and can't play and have to go quarantine i'm imagining the universal dh is going to be hated by some it'll likely be necessary considering that interleague play will constitute about 40 percent of games so therefore you just need to have it uh they've the owners have also agreed to expand the postseason from 10 teams to 14 Adding an extra wild card round. Interesting. MLB initially considered extending the regular season through Thanksgiving weekend, playing games through most of October. But with fear of a second wave of COVID-19 in the fall, they believe it would be safer to finish the season no later than the first week of November. MLB cautions that their plan remains fluid with the unpredictability of the pandemic, requiring the approval of health experts and government officials. Speaking of government, you have the following tweet from Bill Shaken. Shaken? Shaken. L.A. Times. L.A.-based? Yes, exactly. L.A. Times. He tweets, California Governor Gavin Newsom said he had talked with Rob Manfred and said MLB had promised not to hold any games in violation of state guidelines. Newsom said he'd like to see games, even fan-free, but no guarantees. Quote, we'll see where we will be in July. Quote, unquote. Quote. Meanwhile, uh, Sean Doolittle of the Nationals has a tweet thread that begins with this. Bear with me, but it feels like we've zoomed past the most important aspect of any MLB restart plan. Health protections for players, family, staff, 
stadium workers, and the workforce it would require to resume a season. Here are some things I'll be looking for in the proposal. And then he goes on. Because this is a novel virus, there's so much we don't know, including long-term effects. On top of respiratory issues, evidence of kidney, intestinal, liver damage, as well as neurological malfunctions, blood clots, and strokes. COVID-19, oh, my God, he's, he's, he, oh, jeez, all right. Uh, he's done his oh homework. My, I'm scrolling. Yeah. I'm scrolling. How many tests do we need to safely play during a pandemic? Depends on your definition of safe, Sean. And what just and what and not just tests for players. Uh, it requires a massive workforce besides the players, coaches, clubhouse staff, et cetera, et cetera. And that's before we get to hotel workers and transportation workers, pilots, flight attendants, bus drivers, essential workers. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. Eighty percent of the cases are considered mild, but what if a player or staff member, an auxiliary worker, or a family member gets a case that's in the twenty percent and they develop severe symptoms or chronic issues? It feels like one feels like too many. Number of players. All right, I'm going to need some time to read this whole thing. He said, sorry, I had to get that on my system. I'm going to turn my phone off now. Best of luck to my mentions. Stay safe. Keep washing your hands and wearing your masks. I hope we get to play baseball for you again soon. And then he, uh, yeah. Okay. All right, well, look, valid concerns all. But I don't know what to say. It's a lot at stake for a lot of people. We'll see what the players say as a union. And we'll see where it goes. Hour two, Steve Zabin Show coming up next. We'll talk some Last Dance, episodes seven and eight. 